0: Bible Fellowship Assembly, Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Dave Jenkinson continues our series in Hebrews, sharing from Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14 through Hebrews 5 and verse 10. Now, here's Dave. Good morning. We've been looking at the book of Hebrews in our studies, and as I was thinking of this in preparation a couple of days ago, it occurred to me that what we're experiencing right now is very close to the experience that some of these people in Hebrews may have been experiencing. And so, I think it's very fitting that we're studying this book. You see, the writer to the Hebrews was writing to what some would believe were a quarantine people. Uh, a people of God who were uh, some, obviously, of the Jewish faith. And there were probably the Christians amongst that group who were still persisting in Either returning back to Judaism, or were in fact going um, in their in their uh, methods, continuing to sort of try to synchronize uh, Judaism and Christianity. It was a very interesting time. Some people believe that Hebrews was in fact written to the people of Jerusalem about the time then of the rebellion from sixty seven. Uh, to 70 AD this was the period where General Titus uh, brought the Roman armies in to uh, quell the rebellion surround Jerusalem and uh, it was at that time that the people in the city were experiencing great, great difficulties. Um, so much so that Josephus and uh, his writings describe it as a time of, of great, Distress so much so that there was a, um, just a lack of food entirely in the in the city of Jerusalem. As a result, um, it uh, it's rather interesting that this uh, book Hebrews um, reminds us that we have uh, we have one who was greater than any angel, for he created the world, and he was better than any man. Chapter two, Jesus was better than Moses. Chapter three. Uh, better Than the Sabbath rest, chapter 4, and chapter 5 and 6, of which we have to chance to speak about, is Better Than the High Priest, chapter 7, Better Than the Levitical Priesthood, uh, chapter 8, Better Than the First Covenant, and in chapter 9, the First Sanctuary. He was better than the Temple Sacrifice in chapter 10. And the writer to the Hebrews then reminds the re- readers that true faith is more than just religion and and uh, thinking about God, and and being drawn to God, it is a better way of faith. A better race in the mountain, chapter 12, and a better call to follow, chapter 13. And so we have, uh, Jesus is better than all. And I hope that and pray that as a result of our time this morning, each one of us may go away having glimpsed the Lord Jesus, like the disciples on the mountaintop seeing something of his glory, seeing something of his person, seeing something of his love for us, and as a result, um, go away from this place seeing Jesus. Maybe we should just open a little short prayer. Lord, we thank you again for this time. We thank you for your presence here amongst us. And as we uh, speak on these topics, Lord, we are so grateful that it is not I, but you, and that it's your word that we um find our resources and our hope. You are the anchor to our soul. And in the midst of the storms of uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic and the struggles that many are going through even at this time, Lord, we thank you that you are greater than all our struggles and all our storms. And so we pray, Lord, that you might be with us this day as we look into your word and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. The passage that we're looking at today is from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 5, uh, verse 10. I'm reading from the New King James, and I'll read from verses 14. Seeing we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted, as we are yet without sin. Thus, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain grace, mercy, sorry, and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are even going as grace, since he himself is also subject to weakness. And because of this, he's required as to the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sin. And no one... No man takes his honor to himself, but as he is called by God, just as Aaron was. so also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today have I begotten you. And he also says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. For the days of his flesh, when he offered up prayers and supplications, with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. In this passage in front of us, we have actually two of the three pieces of lettuce that we uh, would like to look at to begin our study this morning. I call it the salad bowl of exhortation. The first lettuce is found in verse 11 in the previous uh, passage that our brother Mark was sharing. Let us be therefore diligent to enter that rest. And as we were reminded, Jesus is better than the Sabbath, better than the rest, better than anything that is obtained on this world. And so he says um, that the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the vision of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So his thought is that let us be diligent to enter that rest, because the Lord himself, as the living word, sees us exactly as we are. There's no showing us. There's no uh, external that can prevent the Lord seeing exactly what's going on in our heart. And so during this time of confinement, it really determines, oftentimes, what is in our heart. It's rather interesting that Pilgrim's Progress uh, was written by John Bunyan during a time of confinement in a prison. And in fact, Paul's letters, most of which were written from prison while he was confined. And so it is that as you are confined, I might add, we have a challenge. Not just you, but all of us have a challenge to ask ourselves, what are we doing with our confinement? Are we allowing the Lord to refine us because his eyes See exactly what's going on. Then he goes on to say in the next lettuce, which is found in verse 14, let us therefore have the lettuce of confession. Verse 14 says, seeing we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. There were some who were uh, proceeding to um Depart from the faith. They were part of a group that had professed faith in the Lord Jesus, declaring Him as the Son of God. Paul told the Romans in Romans 10, if you will, in 9 and 10, if you will confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Uh, for with the mouth confessions made to salvation and with the heart, I believe unto uh, righteousness. And so it says, let us hold fast our confession. The word confession has more the idea of not just what we say, but actually how we live. Since we hold to an exceeding mighty high priest who pierced through heavens, and that, the thought is that he doesn't just pass through the heavens, he pierced through the heavens, right up into outer space as it word into the very heaven of heavens. The other day, one of our grandkids made the question, where did Jesus go? And the thought was, he went into heaven. Well, how come we can't see him up there? And of course, they were thinking of it as a spatial, but the word of God is clear. He says, absent from the body is present with the Lord. Now he goes on to say the lettuce of approach. How do we approach this one in our prayer life? And he goes on to say, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness but was on all points tempted as we are yet without sin. There was no sin that would respond to the temptations around him. He was sinless. However, he responded to difficulties And was in all points tempted as we are. He got tired. He grew hungry. He was weary. He felt compassion. He felt sorrow. And if we think about it, one of the things that some of us, mostly guys I would say, have is the difficulty at times showing compassion and feeling sorrow on behalf of others. Our empathy levels are just not made quite the same as uh, our sisters. But the Lord Jesus wept, and his weeping went at the tomb of Lazarus. was indeed a sincere act of weeping. When he looked over the city of Jerusalem, he felt compassion on the city of Jerusalem, and he wept. And so it is that the Lord Jesus uh, was, in fact, a great high priest. He himself was subject to... To our weaknesses. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 that though he was God, he thought not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and became a man, a servant, humbling himself even to the point of death. And so it is that he offered himself as a sacrifice for sin. It's rather interesting, it says in this passage, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. And One rather interesting point is that in the tabernacle or in the temple, there was no throne. In fact, uh, the priest, the high priest, even the regular priests, their primary function was to offer sacrifices and gifts to God. And in fact, there was no place for them to sit down. In fact, it was um, the throne was absent. But Hebrews chapter one makes it clear that the Lord Jesus actually, after he had by the all things, by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on High, becoming so much better than the angels. He has sat down in heaven. And he is the high priest whose job of offering has been completed. And so it says that he we come boldly to the throne of grace. I trust and pray that each one of us are coming boldly to that throne. The word boldly has the thought of bluntness or frankness. In other words, coming in a way that is totally transparent. Moses came boldly to the Lord in Exodus 34, verse 9, when he said, "I, If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. Gideon, in Judges chapter 6, verse 22, perceived that he was speaking with an angel of the Lord and said, Alas, O Lord God! I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And Samson, in Judges 16.28, called on the Lord saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray, strengthen me. I pray this once, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my eyes. And David went in and sat before the Lord and said, in 2 Samuel 7.18, Who am I, O Lord God? What is my house that you have brought me this far? And thus it is that you and I need to have total honesty with the Lord. Sometimes we say a prayer like the Lord's Prayer. Perhaps we say a prayer that we might have been taught as a child. I remember my parents teaching me, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And I'm sure there are many who have prayed what we call prayers that have been set as poems or memorized prayers. But what the Lord wants is the cry from our heart. He wants us to come with boldness. He wants us to come with frankness. He wants us to come with bluntness. But he also wants us to come to find grace to help in time of need. It's rather important to understand that this word help is a very significant word found only twice in the New Testament. The first time it's found is in Acts 27.17. It's describing what Paul was experiencing as he was going through a storm. As he was going through the storm on the ship, it says that they undergird or helped with cables or supports to keep the ship together. Uh, The uh, term is actually, the English term is frapping. It's not uh, getting a frappuccino or even a cappuccino. It's a nautical term meant to bind chains or ropes around a ship to keep it together in the midst of a storm. And here, the writer of the Hebrews says that we find help for the chains to withstand any storm around our lives. The great high priest Jesus, when we come to him in prayer, offers us help. Boathea. He is our strong chain, our rope to allow us not to come apart in the storms of life. He is that chain that holds us when we would come apart otherwise. Have you ever thought about it? Storms in life are inevitable. It's been said there are three states for men and women. We are either in the storm. We have just come out of a storm, or we're just going into a storm. Job 14.7 declares that man born and woman is a few days and full of troubles, and storms in life occur, and when it appears our ship is about ready to come apart, let's be thankful the Lord is the chain, the frapping, that holds us secure. In the tempest of life, when we feel God has abandoned us to face those terrible trials, we are not alone. We can approach our high priest with these seemingly impossible trials and he traps our boat. He shores us up. He does not remove us from the storms, but gives us grace and mercy to withstand the storm. Every task that you experience is the kind that normally comes to people. But God keeps his promise. And what are some of those promises he keeps? Well, 1 Corinthians 10.13 puts it this way. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted or tested beyond what you are able, but will with that temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear. Have you ever thought about that? Sometimes a temptation or testing comes our way and we say, oh, not again. But you know, the Word of God is clear. He gives us the victory if we will but step in his direction. James 1, verses 2 to 8 puts it this way My brethren count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you might be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Count it all joy. That's kind of hard at times, isn't it? To say I counted joy that I'm going through difficult waters. I was reading earlier of a missionary couple who during the first four years of their mission experience were struggling with reaching out into the community. They were looked upon as rich and affluent Westerners who had very little needs, who seemed to be always able to manage quite well. Financially, they were living in a lifestyle quite far above those around them. And indeed, they were feeling very much like they were not impacting uh, the community for Jesus. One night, they were awoken to the fact that they were being robbed. And several men, actually four individuals, had broken into the house, had kept them uh, and started slashing at them with hatchets. They first beat them on the head with the blunt end of the hatchet. Normally, it would appear, according to the normal reactions, the action would create an unconscious victim and then they would decapitate the person. At this point in time, the wife was praying for the Lord to give her strength and mercy and the husband was praying that he could somehow negotiate with these would-be thieves. And in fact, he told them where the money was, gave them permission to take it, and they fled with the money in the money box. As a result of that time, the individuals were taken away to a hospital in the United States, and, and the wife stayed there. She had, in fact, um, severe um, head injuries and losses of the teeth, the husband as well, and um, they experienced a, quite a difficult time but Within one month or so, the husband returned back to the area and surprised the people when they, when he came back with the words that he really cared about them and he was there for them. And it was said afterwards that their mission impact made such a difference because of that trial.
1: They would never have
0: asked for that trial. They would never have asked for those injuries, but God used those injuries and that time of difficulty to demonstrate to the local villagers that in fact, the love of Christ and the love of God was real. First Peter 4, 12-14 says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is about to try you, as though some strange thing happened, but rejoice to the extent you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. The Lord Jesus put it well. He said, They have persecuted me. They will persecute you. And so let us be glad and rejoice even in the midst of great trials. The second part of our study deals with Jesus as the great high priest in chapter 5 verses 1 through 10. And it describes that first of all that just as the high priest in the days of Judah was taken from out of man. That is, Aaron was selected by God out of man, and it was a position that was not taken for government or or making decrees or maintaining stability or control of the people, unlike in fact the high priesthood of Jesus' day, and indeed in the uh, perhaps the church of he- the Hebrews. For in the times of Hebrews and the times of Jesus, uh, the priests were in fact more political than they were in fact for the purposes of bringing sacrifices. They were looked upon by the ruling Romans and those who had political control as those who were meant to communicate the will of the empire to the masses of the Jewish people. And the reminder reminds us that the the priest was particularly concerned about the matter of sin and forgiveness to the individual. And that's an important point. Why do we fellowship together? Why do we come together? Do we recognize that it's about our relationship with God based upon the forgiveness of the cross. And the high priest was, was from Israel, a fallible priest. He was to have gentleness on those who were ignorant and wandering straight since himself was encircled by the same feebleness. And that's rather important to remember. It says that he had compassion on those who were ignorant and going straight since he was subject to the same weakness. And the high priest was chosen by God. No priest takes that honor. In Psalms 2 and 7, the psalmist says, I declare this decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And he also said in Psalm 110, verses 41, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. He gets into more of the topic of Melchizedek a little bit later. The high priest that Jesus was um, given was um, described in this chapter in verses 7. Who in the days of his flesh, when he offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience. Did you catch that? How did Jesus pray? He had cries and tears and godly fear. And he learned obedience. And what did Jesus do? It says, though he was a son, he learned obedience by what he suffered and having been perfected. How about a zero in on that phrase that's translated in the King James, having been perfected? Vine, in his expository dictionary of New Testament words, says that the word used in John 19 verse 30, when Jesus cried from the cross, it is finished is a form of this exact same word. And in fact, the Greek teleos, or teleo, is the word, he finished it. He has finished it. And so it's not so much that he was perfected, he was always perfect, Jesus, but rather, he has finished the work of the cross. He has finished the work of salvation. And so Jesus, the great high priest, has finished the work, and now has been the author of eternal salvation. He's the writer. He is the writer of our story. He is the beginning, and he is the ending. This is a wonderful thought, that it is finished in the life of the Christian, when we think about the work of salvation. No more are we struggling to achieve a certain sense of goodness. Rather, the goodness and the work of salvation has been completed by the Lord Jesus himself. And what the Christian does is respond by way of love and light. We have been raised from the dead and given new life. Therefore, we serve the Lord with gladness and thankfulness. And indeed, he is our author. He is the writer of our story. And so, it says that the Lord Jesus Offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his godly fear. Sometimes we have a little trouble with that verse because it seems to imply that um, that he, while he was heard, we immediately think of the fact that well, yes, he was heard, but he indeed ended up going to the cross, the very thing he asked to uh, that he would be withdrawn from. Uh, let this cup pass from me. But he said, nevertheless, your will, not mine. And so he surrenders his will to the Father and says to the Father, I'm willing to accept it. And he his prayer three times. It reminds me of the, 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 in a smaller way, of course, than the times that I've asked the Lord to change things in my circumstance. And the Lord says, no, this is my will for you. This is what is best. And as a good, good father, his way is always the way of love. I was thinking about that when I was thinking about suffering that people are going through right now. Some are going through some very hard and difficult waters. And our hearts will look to you. And you perhaps ask, like the Lord Jesus did, why? Why is this happening? I can't give you the answer to that. But I can say this. The Lord God says in the the book of Isaiah that my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And while this does not fully answer the why, it helps us to remember that God is infinitely wiser than I can ever be. I will never forget being so angry at God one time over what was the apparent result of a dream that was now shattered. And it took several years and many more experiences for me to suddenly realize, some later date, to look back and say, oh, that's the reason. If that had not happened... And that dream had not been shattered. I would not be where I was. And I'm sure there are many of you that could say the same. The Lord Jesus offered up prayers and supplications. But right from the beginning, he knew what he was going to do. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He said very early in his ministry. And of course, he said... Uh, That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so Jesus, the author of eternal salvation, is now offering you that eternal salvation. Will you accept that gift of salvation? So today, I would ask you three questions by way of application. How's your prayer life? Do you come with total frankness? Bluntness? Is your heart absolutely in tune with the Savior? you come with a hidden agenda? I think we all do sometimes. But like Peter, do we pray and sometimes say, Not so, Lord. You know, one of a good friend of ours used to say, As such an oxymoron, you can't come to God and say not so, Lord. It's either Lord or so, but. Not so, Lord, is something that we can't pray. Jesus was heard, and so will you be heard. He asked, and he remembered, and he remembers you. And he's providing you with the help that you can come in boldly into his presence. And you will get the strength you need. Secondly, do you recognize Jesus as your high priest, and him alone? Or is there some special human being that you go to instead? Maybe a disciple of some organization or some person. Maybe you're like those in Corinth who are followers of Peter, Cephas, of Apollos, Paul. Or maybe you were in that special category where you just followed Jesus. 1 Timothy 2, five puts it well. There is only one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And finally, are you trying to add the work of God in your life. It is finished. He has been the one that has been the perfecter, the finisher of our eternal salvation. He is the author. He is the beginning and the end. And so I would ask you, are you trying to add to God's work? For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you're completed him who is the head of all principality in Colossians 2, 9 and 10. An lady was lying on her hospital bed just about ready to die and go to be with the Lord and a dear brother came to visit her and said, Oh, I hope dear sister that you're still holding on, grasping tightly the hands of Jesus. And she said to him, Oh brother, Yes, I am, but that's not what holds me. You see, I'm not just grasping his hand. I am his hand, and I am in his hand. The Lord Jesus said to his disciples that they that are in my hand or in the Father's hand are being held permanently. Let me read it as he said it in John chapter 10. But if you believe because you are, because you do, you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. And I said to you, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give to them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall any snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. And so, whose hand are you in during this time? The Hebrews had to learn to trust in their great high priest who could hold them, keep them together, and bring them through a very difficult time. May God bring you through this very difficult time as well as you trust in him. Let's close in prayer. Mm. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your presence here with us. We pray that you will use these words to encourage us to live for Jesus, to allow his life be ours and we give you thanks in Jesus name. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you are in the Timmons area or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.